I don't know if anybody else has been there. But Jesus says these words, verse 20, 32 again. Now learn a parable. The mysteries of the word of God are not to be mysteries, or the parables of the word of God are not to be parables to the people of God. They are, they are hidden prophecies, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And God is going to teach us something. He says, when his branch is yet tender, a young tree. Israel is now 70 years of age. They're going to be celebrating their uh, 70th anniversary as a nation on May 15th of this coming just weeks from now. And symbolically, they're a young nation, a young tree, if you will. The Bible says, and it putteth forth, pour forth leaves, picturing prosperity and blessing. We preached on Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3 on Wednesday night, and uh, leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever we do shall prosper. I wasn't in Jordan, and I, wasn't, I heard the bombs in Syria going off when we were there. But I'm telling you, all around, all those Muslim nations all around, they're not blossoming. They're not, they're not vibrant like a leaf. But Israel is. And the Bible says, Jesus said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. He said these words, when the leaf put forth, ye know that summer is nigh. God says, wake up. Hey, it's April 29th, by the way. Have you figured that out? It's still cold. But I got news for you. Summer's coming. Amen to that. And uh, yes, I do promise, actually, because God has four seasons. And, and last time I checked, summer is going to make it here eventually, maybe by August. We'll make it, but next week. The Bible says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Now look at, Jesus goes on to say, verse number 33, so likewise, now he's making a comparison. He says, so likewise, when ye shall see all these things, all these things come to pass. Are you been, have you been watching what's happening in the news as of late? Have you been watching the natural disasters that have been hitting the, this world for the last number of years, from since the tsunamis and the hurricanes and the, and the pestilences and all the disease and wars and rumors of wars? And I know people say that that's been going on for a long time. But when the branch is tender... And the tree is tender. Know this, and the summer is coming. And he says, so likewise, when you see these, all these things come to pass. Know, Jesus said these words, verse 33. I have them underlined in my Bible. Know that it is near. What's it referring to? Well, specifically, I believe it's referring to the time of Jacob's trouble, and I don't want to get too detailed. But when God deals with Israel once more time in that 70th week of Daniel. But for us, know that it is near. When you see all these things come to pass, Jesus said, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. The rapture of the church is around the corner. I think we're in the 1158 hour. I believe that. It says, and it says, how close is it? It's even at the doors. The journey of the, 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 the parable of the countryman that went into a far country is coming back. I can picture a long journey back home to the home, and I'm using symbolism here. And he finally takes this long journey. Now he's at the door. He's ready to knock. He's ready to come in. For verily, verse 34, now verily, that's of a truth, of a certainty. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass. What generation? 
this generation when the branch is tender, is yet tender, and putteth forth her leaves. This generation shall not pass. Now, according to Psalm 90 and verse 10, the days of our year are, do you know how long? Three score and ten. How long is that? Oh, that's 70 years, isn't it? Israel was in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and then God stirred up Cyrus. Oh, the cold blue! The wicked pagan king to go back to Israel. He said, command the people to go back. Pastor Parmer referenced it this morning in the Sunday school lesson. That's where to go back and build the temple. 70 years is a very symbolic, 70 is a very symbolic number in the word of God. We see this 70 years. Israel, 1948, as the Union Jack, that's the British flag was coming down. The, the new Israeli flag was going up and there were five, there was there was, and the war started that very day, that very hour, and the next day, they, Israel's been in four major wars. They've been in constant threat throughout the gener- the, the, for the oddly 70 years. But, so verses 32 to 36, let me finish verse 34, excuse me. Verily I say unto thee, say unto you, this generation shall not pass. Now some say generation is 20 years, some say it's 40 years. Some say Psalm 90 verse 10, it's 70 years if by strength it be Four score years, that's 80. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And in case you think I'm getting sensational tonight, you say, preacher, this is your Marty Shot conjecture going on. Maybe some of it is, but let me tell you what God says. He says, heaven and earth shall, shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. God says, I declare it, it it's going to happen. And I'm going to give you the signs, the times when you see all these things come to pass. And so we see in verses 32 to 36 it is, the specific time of his coming. Israel is rebirthed. They're flourishing as the blossoming, the desert's blossoming. They're all surrounded by people that want to destroy them. God says that when you see this this generation Shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. But then we see in verses 37 through 39, we'll do this quickly, and here's the bulk of the message tonight. We see the specific conditions at his coming. Look at verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so the analogy is, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, how were the days of Noah? Well, the Bible says they were eating, for as in the days of Noah, verse 38, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. They were having a good time. The Bible says, and they, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And notice verse 39. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. How long have Christians been seeing coming again, coming again? Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, maybe soon. How long have we been saying, lift up your head, redemption draweth nigh? How long have we been singing songs like, years of time have come and gone since I first heard her told how Jesus would come again to her someday? If back then it seemed so real, how, how much more? I can't quote the song all of a sudden here. I just can't help but feel how much closer his coming is today. Signs of the times are everywhere. There's a brand new feeling in the air. Lift up your head, for redemption draweth nigh. Jesus has said over and over and over again, I've seen billboards on the side of the streets. You go down south especially, Jesus is coming again. 
I've seen clocks with the, 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 the clock, the second hand at 11.58, and his coming is soon. And yet the world looks at this and mocks. I want to give you four things this evening. Here's the message in regards to this question of world evangelism in the days of Noah. I want you to leave, first of all, I want to leave no doubt in your mind, anyone's mind, that the conditions of Noah's day are exactly the same conditions that we have today in 2018. First of all, let's go back, if we could, to Genesis chapter 6 and keep a bookmark or something in Matthew 24 so we can get back there. And we're going to look at several verses in Genesis over the course of the next 20 minutes or so. Genesis chapter 6. In Noah's day, just like today, it's been a time of, it's, it was a time in Noah's day and it's a time in today where there's much persistent pleading going on. Pleading for people to come to Christ as Savior. Pleading to realize that the, the judgment is coming like we preached this morning. In Genesis chapter 6, notice verse number 3. And the Lord said, and he's speaking to, Moses, or to Noah, of course, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. God gave a timeline. He said, Noah, I'm going to abide with man. I'm going to have been long-suffering. I'm going to plead. And I want you to plead with men for 120 years. And Noah persistently pled for men to repent. 120 years he preached. I, I think of the 100 plus years. Can you imagine somebody bugging you for 100 years about Jehovah God, about the judgment is coming? You'd get tired of hearing that, but you, you see his life, and in his life he starts to build this boat in the middle of the desert. I mean, think about this. I've been to Kentucky now. Sonny and I got to go there a couple years ago, as I've told the story two, two summers ago, with my father and my mother, and I like to think it was instrumental in bringing my father to Christ. As he saw the door of that ark, and my sister started to witness to him. And you go to Kentucky, and you see this largest wood structure in all of America, I guess it is, and and I think maybe all the world, I'm not sure about that, but in this massive ship, boat, in the middle of a, on a mountainside in Kentucky. Can you imagine this 540-some-foot-long boat, ark, barge, call it what you want, this super freighter, in the middle of a Judean desert, this guy pecking away, building this thing with his three sons for 100-plus years. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Lord's coming back. And I'm sure they must, have been, they must have wrote him off very early as there's Noah, the crazy guy again. Can you imagine what, the Noah, what Noah had to go through as being a preacher of righteousness? And the Lord was long-suffering. He said, I'm going to give him 120 years. Folks, just, I, I, I'm amazed at the, of the, the long-suffering of God and the patience and kindness of God. Why he allows wicked infidels and people that blaspheme his name to live for 60, 70, 80, 90 years. I, I can't explain it other than the fact that he's long-suffering. 2 Peter 3.9, not willing that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some in slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. If you're in Genesis chapter 6 still, look at chapter 5 just across the page in my Bible, of course, verse 27 Biblical names, of course, meant things. When you said a name, it, it reminded you of things, especially Hebrew names. And the Bible says, in all the days of Methuselah, remember Methuselah? 
the oldest man in all the Bible. He lived to be 969 years of age. You say, preacher, how long did he really live? 969 years of age. And he, he, his granddaddy or his grandson was a guy named Noah. His son was, a, uh, his, his, his daddy was a guy named Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was not. Methuselah saw his dad, daddy raptured, taken away. And then he prophesied in his name. You know what Methuselah means? His death shall bring judgment. Methuselah dies the year of the flood. God says to Noah, Noah, I, my spirit shall not always bear with men. I'm going to give him 120 years. Do you think Noah might have told people that? God spoke to me and said, we got 120 years and then judgment's coming. No, Manassas, let me try that again. Methuselah lived for all those hundreds of years and he's 800 some years old, 848 years old or whatever he was and he's going to live 120 more years and the oldest man to ever be recorded in all of history and he's telling people, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, the judgment's coming. Methuselah dies and the flood comes. And the Bible says they knew not until the, Lord, the flood came and took them all away. Amazing. Go back to Matthew 24 quickly here. We'll go back, to, back and forth to Genesis, early chapters of Genesis and Matthew 24. Look at Matthew 24, very key verse. You say, preacher, why do you think the coming of the Lord is near? Well, first of all, I've been preaching this for 30-some years of my life. And I remember the book. I don't know, if Pastor Parmer, if you remember getting this book. and I, I laugh and smile at it, but I have it in my office. The title of the book came out in 1987. The title, I make no joke. The title of the book is 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ Will Return in 1988. Well, he didn't return. They, they sold millions of those books. That's 30 years ago. So the author came out. I'm not making this up. No, this is not a joke. He made up another book for, in 1988. Why I was wrong about 1988 and the Lord is going to come back in 1989. I was off by one year. He didn't come back. I'm old enough to, I'm, teenagers, I'm so old, I lived in two, the year 2000. There was something called Y2K. All computers were going to crash. The world was coming to an end. All of our cars were going to stop. The gas pumps were going to work. Everything was going to go to be disastrous. And Christians, Christians were preaching this and some sensational, well, you know what? The Lord didn't come back in 2000. Then we had 9-11. We've had events and I'm going to just say this here, just for the record. The Lord might not come back in two weeks. I'm not saying, no man knows today nor hour, Jesus said. Said my Father which is in heaven. When Jesus said that, Jesus knows now. I promise you, he knows when he's coming back. And he will not tarry. He'll come back at the very appointed time. But I want you to know Matthew 24, look what Jesus said. I mean, he's giving us all these, forget clues, he's telling us this is, I want to smack. I mean, it's just in your face stuff. He's not hiding anything. He's giving a clue when he's coming back. So Matthew 24, 14, he says this. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. Hey, by the way, have you heard of the internet? Pardon me. Cell phone? Mass communications? I mean, we know, we, we, we know the population of planet Earth. We, we know everything. It's amazing to me. We, 
we have no idea where illegal aliens are in America, but we know where every, we know the population of the world, you know. It's amazing what we know. You can't hide from it. No longer can you hide. We're, we're, and no longer can you hide from information. Sometimes I want to hide from information, by the way. We're on case overload. We got too much information. We're, we got news media. I mean, just, it's too much. I was listening and I just run this rabbit. Uh, I mean, what happens out of Hartford, Connecticut in one day will blow your mind. I mean, just one day is like the laws they pass. It's like, oh, and that's just Hartford. I can't keep up with all that's going on. But back to the message. The gospel of the kingdom, the Lord says, shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Hey, I love getting my missionary letters from Edgar Figali, our missionary in the Middle East. Brother Parmar and I have talked about this. Iran is having, they're having revival in Iran. China, uh, the Far East. You know, I know it's under communism, but they are having, there's only the Lord knows of the thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of underground churches and all the, I dare say there's more Christians in China than there are in the United States. The gospel started eastward. If you study the Acts, the gospel went from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, but it went eastward, and it's gone around the world, and it's gone all the way full circle through all, uh, China and through the far, far uh, the Asia, Asia, of course, and into Iraq and Iran, and people are getting saved, and it's almost back, in case you haven't looked at the map lately, it's almost back to Israel. They're blinded, most of them. The Bible says, so then all Israel shall be saved. That's still yet to come. I believe in the tribulation hour when God deals with them specifically. But the fact of the matter is, there's been much pleading. I must hurry along. I got four points here. And everybody knows today, I mean, even Hollywood, and that's the right name for it. I, Hollywood, forget Hollywood, it's Hollywood, Hollywood. Even they publish Nicolas Cage. Oh, there's a paragon of Christianity, I'm sure. He played in a Left Behind movie. I've seen it, as a matter of fact. You know, I say, how can somebody play that part and still mock? And I'm assuming he's not a Christian by any means. But we have all this end time prophecy. We have all these movies of the Antichrist, all these movies of end time events taking place. And yet church attendance is not, isn't increasing. The message of Jesus saves is known all around the world, and yet it's mocked at. People keep pleading. We keep pleading for our loved ones to be saved. Noah pled and pled and pled, and when he got on the boat, he, his wife, and his six, his three sons and his three daughters were on the boat, eight, eight saved. As in the days of Noah, so shall also be in the coming of the Son of Man. There were, in the days of Noah, there was much pleading. Secondly, there was a second parallel between today and of the days of Noah. God said, as in the days of Noah, so shall be in the coming of the Son of Man. There was many personal professions. You see, go back to Genesis. I told you to flip it back and forth. Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. Now, this is obviously before the flood. Genesis 4, 26, the last verse. This is after the first murder in chapter 4. You know the story. And the Bible says in verse 26, And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men 
to call upon the name of the Lord. I mean, people knew about the name of the Lord. They had heard the story of Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden. Adam and Eve would live several hundred years, of course. They lived through this time. They were contemporaries to Adam and Eve and Seth and, and uh, Lamech and Methuselah and Enoch. And all these guys walked with God. They said, someday a judgment is coming. Noah comes along and God says, okay, it's going to be 120 years. I'm going to mark it. When, and I'm going to give you a, a prophecy. I'm going to give you the oldest man in all the world, Methuselah. And when he dies, judgment will come. And so men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Oh, I'm a Christian. I believe in things of God. Recent polls, like a 2017 poll I pulled up on the web about evangelical Christianity. In 2007... It said that 78.4% of Americans identify as a Christian or Christians or Christianity. In 2017, 10 years later, the number is down to 70.6. It dropped by almost 8%. Mainline denomination churches, I won't bore you with all these statistics I have written down here. They're all declining We've turned into, I don't have time to go on, we've turned into a Sunday morning only entertainment Christianity in America. A full 30% of those claiming some type of born again experience deny that Jesus physically, literally resurrected from the dead and yet they claim to be born again. They're not born again. Jesus literally died on that cross. That's part of the gospel. In 2007, by the way, the non-religious crowd or the non-religious affiliation, no religious affiliation whatsoever, was in America twenty three or, or uh, 17%, excuse me, in 2007. It's 23% in 2017. The pagan population, I don't mean that word in, in derogatory, I'm just being honest, that they call themselves pagans, is growing. And yet many are personally professing uh, that they know Christ is Savior. I was on the... One of those religious channels just the other day, I, I surfed those on purpose to see what's going on. I saw, how many heard of the Toronto Blessing before? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, just as, I guess it's preacher stuff. I'm not making this up here. I don't have time to go. The Toronto Blessing, uh, oh, what, 15 years ago. They're having a revival of the Toronto Blessing. You can go on there, and it was a charismatic movement up in Toronto, and God was pouring out his spirit. And I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm just telling you factually what happened. People started barking like dogs in the services. Well, a dog, that's synonymous with Christianity, isn't it? Right. I'm being facetious. Last time I checked, we were like sheep. I didn't see anybody bond. Pardon me, I saw people, but people were barking. All in the name of the Holy Spirit filling. Really? How foolish. So I got on the television just three or four days ago, and I... When I saw the, the revival of the Toronto Blessing, they showed the crowds in Africa. Millions or thousands coming to the Lord, Colosseums being filled up. They're preaching Christ, supposedly. I, hey, anybody gets saved from one of those venues, I'm happy for. Don't misunderstand me. But one man said a little while ago, I'm of the opinion that the chief dangers which confront the com- coming century, 20th century, will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell.
in case you want to know who that is, say they don't, they don't claim their founder any longer, but I'm talking about the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, said it over 100 years ago. Salvation Army is no longer the Salvation Army. We go back to this profession. Go back, look at, you're in Matthew, turn to Matthew 7 quickly here. And there's many, like Noah's day, many people that called upon the name of the Lord. Many people that, that claimed to, oh yes, we, we follow Jehovah God. We know him, sure we do. The Lord says in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus said, not everyone, Matthew 7, 21 I'm reading, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Now, by the way, what's the will of the Father? John 6, 29, the will of the Father is that you believe on him whom we have sent, Lord Jesus Christ. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day. What day? As we talked about this morning, the day of judgment. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, supernatural works. And in thy name done many wonderful good works. Verse 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never, notice the key word, I never knew you. People don't get saved and then get lost like the Arminian teaches. People are either saved or lost. And God says, I never knew you. But I called upon the name of the Lord. But I did, I prophesied in his name. I cast out devils. I did many wonderful works. The Lord said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you did work iniquity. You see, we have thousands of professions today, but not many possessions, not many conversions, I'm afraid. I have to be careful here, but I'm going to say it needs to be said. A church in the Hartford area a number of years ago, it's still, they're still there today. I used to get their literature, I don't get it any longer. Oh, I'm stepping into it, I'll just say it. it. happens to be a Baptist church. They claimed that they, in a period of four years, I got their information, I went to one of their... They led 58,000 people to the Lord in Hartford, Connecticut in four years. 58,000. Last time I went through Hartford, I didn't really sense a lot of Christianity, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to be facetious. Shallow professions. One, two, three, pray after me. Pray this prayer and you'll be saved. Be careful with that. Make them a twofold more child of hell than of heaven. Many professions, I must hurry along here. Let me give you two more points here very fast. As in the days of Noah, so shall also be in the coming of the man. There are much persistent pleadings, much, many per, personal professions. But number three, just as in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. They were prospering. There was material pleasure and possession. Luke 23, 21, verse 34 says, and Jesus is talking about the end times. He says, take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. 
we see a riotous next to living. God says it will be the time of the signs of the end times. Now, again, be careful here. I'll just say it though, but we took our family to Disney World several years ago. I'm going to be honest with you. We had a good time. I'm going to tell you, you can have a fun time in Disney. You really can. I'm admitting it. Let me let you in a little secret. It wasn't free. It cost a little bit of money. Okay, it costs a lot of money. You know, I was doing a little bit of math, and depending on, you know, we have five of our families go to Disney World this year. I'd take their, the budget that it took to have, take five families to Disney World than our entire missionary budget for our church for a whole year. Just five small trips. I'm not saying it's wrong. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying some, I'm, I'm wondering if our priorities are not sometimes misplaced. The love of money is the root of all evil. We got people out here I see. And I'm, I know I'm meddling. I, I pulled up with my, I'm so proud of my Cadillac, you know. I pulled up with my $7,400 Cadillac. I was at the intersection down here. No, no, no joking. I'm looking across. I mean, this guy's got this Ford F-150 pickup truck with the, those monster Manabi tires on it, totally decked out. I, I know what those, I mean, we're talking $60,000 all day long. The guy in front of me had a SUV loaded, beautiful lady in front of me. I don't know who it was, man or woman. The car to the right of me was... I'm sitting there by Cadillac and thinking, I've got pretty big stuff. I look at the car to my right, car to my front, in front of me, car to my, to my right, and I said, I'm driving the junker. Man, this is, this is depressing. And I had to snap out of it. Wake up, you big dummy. God's been good to you. We always got to have a little bit better. You know, we live better than 95% of the whole world. We got it pretty good. I saw the statistics. I won't bore you with it. Uh, the NFL, they had a down year last year. I just Googled this. 25 billion bucks they brought in last year. 25 billion dollars. I tried to Google how much money we give to our missions. I, uh, I, got, I came up with one website right out of the, right out of the top. It says, we can't give two cents. So I clicked on it. The average... Church in America gives about 2% of their gross income to any form of foreign missions. 2%. Uh, another statistic, and every year they come out with these. I don't know if it's Pew Research or Gallup or who comes out with these, but, but uh, we are the, always one of the wealthiest states in the nation, as you know. Connecticut is always one, two, or three. We're right up there, always. We're always, conversely, always 48th, 49th, or 50th in per capita giving to charitable organizations. Always. You know, anybody want to guess? Go ahead, Sunday school class. Anybody want to guess here or Jeopardy here? What is the highest charitable state in the nation? Da 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 da. Mississippi, close but no, two hundred dollars. That was number two, I believe. You're right. Number one, hands down, number one. This, I just saw this just about three weeks ago. Number one nation, number one state. What's that? No, still haven't got it. I'm going to keep going. No. Keep going. Tennessee, Georgia. No, buzz all Bible Belt places. Y'all blew it. You could have won $200. Utah, Mormon country. They blow us Christians away. 
They build $56 million buildings cash in West Hartford. They do that every place they go. They give to it. They believe in a pagan God. They believe that Jesus is a brother with Satan. Look at their, their theology. That's what they believe. He came from an outer space planet. They're heretics. They're cults. And I see him walking down the street. I was in Walmart several months ago, and I saw two. It was a, uh, and there was two guys dressed in suits and ties. I saw from the back end. I could tell who they were. Oh, they turned around. I saw the red shirt. I saw the name taken. I knew exactly who they were. They give two years of their life, and yet we can't give two cents of our missions dollars. I'm I'm starting to preach too much. Let me get to the last part of the message here. As in the days of Noah, so shall also be in the coming of the Son of Man. There's much persistent pleading, as in the days of Noah, and there's much pleading today. We're begging our loved ones to get saved. We're begging folks to get saved. And these, the gospel's all around them. There's much personal professions. Oh, I know God. I know Jesus. Oh, yeah, we're buds. We're friends. Yeah, he takes care. Of, he, he, he's, he's, I'm on his side. Yeah, he's, he's, he's with me. He takes care of me. There's much material pleasure and, and, and pursuits. We're all about fulfilling the bucket list. Having last, our last bit of fun before it's too late. Lastly, or fourthly, as in the days of Noah, Matthew chapter 24, verse 38 again. There's the few are making preparation. Few are making preparation. Back in Genesis chapter 7, Noah, he built that ark for 120 years and then he entered into the ark. I think it was the last time. That was a big boat, by the way. I can just imagine, last call! There's still time. We've got plenty of food. Come on in. The flood is going to happen. Judgment's going to happen. Come on in. The door's going to get closed. And Noah didn't close the door. God closed the door. And it was by divine design. There were how many doors on that ark? One. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Few are making preparation. 1 Peter 3.20 says it this way, which sometimes were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while they were, there was a uh, preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Folks, I don't want to be depressing. Christianity is not growing in America. I promise you. Pseudo-Christianity, false Christianity is. This gospel has been preached all over the world. God is now saving people in Iran and Iraq. In Israel, like that video showed, still totally secular for the most part. Very few Christians. But their time is coming and I think it's near. Nearly everyone... And we even have people that we work with and fellowship with and our unsaved relatives, they know the coming of the Lord is near or they, they, they've heard that. But they divorce it out of their mind. They deny it. They don't even ever think about it. Let's just party what's on television tonight. That's all they care about. So the title of the message was 
the world evangelism and the days of Noah. Well, we talked about the days of Noah, but in just a soundbite or two, I have three points. I'll just read them off to you. What about world evangelism? Well, we, like Noah, are to still be preachers of righteousness. We are still to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He spared not his own, the old world, but saved, saved Noah, the eighth person of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. There's still time. As long as there's breath in someone's body, there's still time. The Bible says, Romans 10, 13 and 14, or 14 and 15, rather, how then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are to prepare in these remaining days by continuing to be preachers of righteousness. Secondly, by being persistent in sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, we we read, uh, I can't, let me just read it to you. I can't quote it. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Did you ever think of the monetary, the sacrificial the, uh, the sacrifice that Noah performed to prepare that ark, hoping that some people would get on board as well when the judgment came? I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, in our context, he spent millions of dollars, his whole life savings, he put in that big boat out in the middle of the desert. Why? Because he believed God. And he said, what, I'm doing God's work. There's a cost involved. So there's, we need to be persistent in sacrifice. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark eight thirty five reminds us uh, there's nothing more valuable than a soul. Oh, we need to get the mission, missions out to the world. We need to get the gospel out to the world. God's commanded us to sacrifice. I'm sure some people, well, in our friendly crowd this morning, I don't think there was anybody maybe that thought it was strange, but Many people think it's strange to have a faith promise missions concept or rather a church that tries to give money on top of 10%. Already people blow fuses with that and with the tithe. And give above and beyond that? How can you do that unless you're persistent in sacrifice and realize there's a cause? And lastly, and I want to end on a very positive and a truthful note, that is, what are we to be preparing, doing? Well, we're to be preachers of righteousness, persistent in sacrifice, but thirdly, pursuers of the harvest. You say, what do you mean by that? I liked what Jan Milton said the other night when he was with us. The harvest truly is plenteous. It's the verses that Matthew 9, 36 and 7 that our church was founded on. But the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers into his harvest. Okay, don't want to be negative. Last illustration, we're done. I've been at this a little while. Had a good day on a visitation yesterday for the record. Nobody got saved, but we had a good day. But people don't get saved like they used to get saved. We, uh, I thought we'd have, uh, this, this is, uh, this is, this is a phenomenon that's happening that every funeral home director in America, and especially New England, knows about. 
I talked to Jason Montano several times about this. He's a Roman Catholic. We do a lot of business together, or we used to do a lot of business. He used to call me almost every other week. I keep a diary, like I said. I used to do dozens of funerals a year. I do just a small handful now. The vast majority of my funerals I've done, I've done for people I never met. People used to have Christian funerals. No longer does my phone ring with a with a asking for to have a Christian burial. Jason Montano says, "No, they're not having Catholics. Are not they're down on their funerals. Everybody's nobody's having funerals anymore." Can I just be blunt? We're just burning them up, put them in a box, and then throw them on some, throw them in the river. That's what we're doing now. No need for a service. No need to memorialize. No need to call our attention to the one that gave us life to begin with, back to God. It's a phenomenon I've seen happen. It's astounding to me. What are people, not, not as many people dying in 2018 as they died in 1988? No, just as many people are dying. But people are not thinking, seeking, seeking after God here in our country. But here's the blessing. Here's what I want you to know. We sometimes, we get very introspective. We think everything, we think that the whole world of what's happening in our little Jerusalem is what's happening in all the world. Don't think that way. I have to believe, and I do believe in Africa, and I do believe in, in the, the Middle East, and in China, and around the world, places that we don't even know about, we don't hear about, in poor countries, third world countries, as we used to call them. In Myanmar, the old Burmas, Thailands, people are being saved by the tens of thousands of people. People are coming to Christ. The harvest truly is plenty, as Jesus said those words. There, are, there is a ripe mission field out there. We may not be in a ripe mission field as much as, as, much as it was 2008 or 1998 or 1988, but there's still a harvest. Let's not deny the fact that there's a harvest. And God says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As in the days of Noah, so shall also be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. For Lord, I know it's been a sobering message, but Lord, I trust it's been an enlightening message. Lord, we're apostles, we're disciples of the end time. Your coming is near. He said, when we see all these things come to pass, look up, for our redemption draweth nigh. And Lord, we pray as the prophets of old, even so now come, Lord Jesus. Three times in the last chapter of the Bible, you said, Jesus, you're coming quickly, and your reward is with you. May we be found faithful, we pray. Pray you'd bless in our moments of invitation, Lord. Give us a fire, light a fire underneath us, Lord, to be, continue to be preachers of righteousness, continue to prepare, for the, prepare sacrificially, and Lord, then to pursue the harvest, we pray. This, Lord, bless in these moments of invitation. In Christ's name I ask, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we all stand together, let's sing page number.